Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. So we have one more week in our study after this, but tonight we're actually going to look at the final letter Paul wrote, at least the last one we have. And it's called 2 Timothy. And like 1 Timothy, it was written to Timothy, a man who Paul had appointed to lead the church in Ephesus, a man who Paul had been close to for a long time. And he continued to view Timothy as kind of a spiritual son of sorts. He even starts the letter by saying, Timothy, my dear son. But um, he also was probably Paul's best friend, at least one of them. And so Paul was very warm in this letter. Uh, in this letter, you get, you get a lot of the kind of things that we've come to expect, commitment to the gospel, commitment to Jesus, preach it, you know, go and influence people for it, those sorts of things. But there's also a little bit of a difference um, here. Paul knows the end is near. He's old, he's tired, and he kind of realizes, I'm not going to be around for much longer. In 1 Timothy, he had told Timothy, I want you to stay there and get the job done. And in 2 Timothy, he says, I want you to get things in order, and then I just want you to come visit. Just come see me one more time. And the two things that Paul talks about in this letter, more so than others, the kind of things that your attention are drawn to are, first of all, suffering. And it's no surprise why Paul is probably back in prison. We don't know for sure exactly when 2 Timothy was written, probably somewhere in the mid to late 60s A.D., And uh, Paul is back in Rome, back in prison, but it's not house arrest this time. He's in a prison called Mamertine. You could still go see it today. It's kind of an underground, uh, not quite a dungeon, but a little bit more like that. And it was a place where you went, not to stay there for a long time, but just to wait to hear your sentence so that you could then be punished in whatever way was appropriate. So Paul himself is suffering, and he knows that Timothy has done the same, and he knows that all the others who have been following Jesus in certain ways have had to face hardship. So he talks a lot about it in here. He also, though, talks about, uh, talks about the end. Not like the end of time, but he talks about the finish line. Throughout this letter, you get this sense that Paul is okay with the end being near because he likes the way he has spent his life. It's in this letter that he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me this crown of righteousness. And so Paul writes this letter to essentially say, I'm finishing well and I want you to do the same. And it's to Timothy who needs to hear this. It's to the 15 or so other people that he mentions in the letter who need to hear this. And it's to me and it's to you. So as we look at this final letter that Paul wrote, right before he died, lean in and listen as we talk about surrendering to the change by finishing what we've started. Hey, my name is Jason French. Glad to be with you guys tonight. I'm also uh, glad to be known as Justin and Levi and Sidney and Silas's dad, and even more so as Janice's husband. And tonight, I'm glad to hang out with you guys. I don't know if you've ever had a time in your life where you found it hard to finish, uh, hard to keep moving when it was hard to move. Uh, I found myself in a situation and uh, talked about this with a group of high school students at Move about five years ago and talked with Adam. And I'm like, Adam, I want to share that story again. 
And I found myself in, in Alaska in a very difficult situation where we were backpacking uh, on a, a caribou hunt way up in the middle of nowhere. I'd been warned about how bad this hunt was. Long story short, I get heading in and man, I, I make it in just a, maybe a mile or so. And the boots on my feet weren't very good and it began to rub the skin off my feet. So I stopped, tried to patch my feet together a little bit, put on some stuff called mole skin. It's not actually a mole, it's just stuff that keeps the hot spots off your feet where the blisters are coming. Put on my pack, we start walking in, walk a few more miles, not even, not even another mile, walk another half mile, boom, the other boot. All of a sudden I can feel I'm getting a hot spot on the back of my foot where my boot is just rubbing on the skin and the sock isn't protecting anymore. And I'm like, this is starting to hurt. Like guys, I need to, I need to go pull off, take the pack off, dig into my stuff, patch that foot up. I maybe walk another two or 300 yards. The guys are getting frustrated because I keep stopping and all of a sudden on both feet, it's rubbing so bad because the terrain we're on is so vicious that it literally rubs off the moleskin and again, it's just rubbing on my, on, my, on my feet, just on the bare skin. And I stop one more time, like, guys, let me fix it. And they're like, French, come on, man, let's go. We got to get there. Let's, let's keep moving. And by that time, the guy inside of me has the will to continue. I just don't want to quit. And so I'm finally like, all right, forget it. Let's just go. And so I hike in five miles uh, was our trip in. We finally get, we set up our tent, you know, set up camp. The guys are all over here talking. I go into the tent for a second to kind of get my boots off because my feet hurt so bad from just the boots rubbing on it. And as I take them off, I can see what's going on. But the whole part of my sock where the heel goes is just blood red. And as I take off the sock, the blood begins dripping off my heels. And it starts just dripping on the ground. Uh, there in the tent, dripping on my sleeping bag. Take off my other boots, same thing. And I literally, from the back of my heel to the bottom, I've got no skin left. It's completely rubbed off. Bad day. And I'm sitting here, I'm five miles in. The only way I'm getting back is to go five miles. But I also realize we've taken the whole road. If you ever watch Ice Truckers, we've taken the whole road 18 hours all the way up to the very tip of Alaska to hunt. And nobody wants to stop this hunt because of me. And I got to finish. I can't just quit. I got to finish. So I'm sitting there. One thing I always do when I backpack is I take a Nalgene bottle and I always wrap it up with duct tape. Just a habit that I do because duct tape fixes anything. So I take off my socks, I look at the Nalgene bottle, and the only solution I've got, I pull up a strap of duct tape, and I just sit down in the tent by myself, pull it out, sit there by myself while they're out there talking, and I just begin wrapping my feet with duct tape. I just wrap and wrap and wrap until finally I've got my entire heel covered in this stuff so that I can somehow finish this trip so that somehow I can keep going even when it hurts. Because the last thing you want to do is quit when people are counting on you. We ended up putting in 35 miles on that trip with both my feet taped. But I thought of something I was sitting there in the tent. I thought about Paul. He came to mind. And in that moment that I thought about Paul, I thought about Paul. I wonder what it was like. I thought about Jesus. Like the amount of miles those guys covered in their lifetime, the amount of distance that they had to go through in order to preach the gospel. And I wonder, Paul, did it ever hurt to walk? I mean, Paul, did you ever reach a point where you didn't want to finish? Paul, did you ever reach a place where you just did not want to walk anymore, but you knew that people were depending on you and you could not quit? And I thought of that scripture in the book of Romans. If you've never read it before, I'll just quote it. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I'm like, man, Paul, your feet had to be nasty. I mean, you covered some ground, you covered some territory, you walked some miles. Surely there were days, Paul, where you did not want to walk anymore. And my mind went immediately, if you know the story of Paul, you've been reading his books left and right, you've been referencing here 
on and on and on. One thing we know about Paul is he was a man who knew how to walk and he knew how to finish even when it was hard and even when it hurt. From the very beginning of his life, Paul starts off when he's converted and he first comes to Jesus. He's blind. For three days, he's blind. And then Ananias tells Paul, the guy that converts and says, hey, guess what? You're going to go through a whole lot of hardships, Paul, and you're going to have a really hard life, but you've got to finish. From the very beginning, when Paul begins preaching, he goes to this town called Damascus. First time the guy ever tries to preach, you know what happens to Paul in Damascus? They run him out of town. So Paul packs up after preaching in Damascus. He says, you know what? I'm going to go on to another town. I'm going to move on. So he goes and he preaches in this town called Jerusalem. You know what they do to Paul in Jerusalem? They run him out of town. Run him out of town. Paul moves on down the road. He's like, all right, I'm going to preach in a town called Antioch. So he preaches in the city called Antioch and they plot to kill him. So he's had a hit squad try to kill him in Jerusalem, a hit squad try to kill him in Damascus. He shows up in a new town called Antioch, and a group of guys try to kill him there. So he says, man, I'm going to move on. I'm going to keep moving. So he moves on to a city called Iconium. You know what happens to Paul in Iconium? They try to kill him. They try to kill him for preaching the good news about Jesus. So Paul packs up and says, all right, let's keep walking. Let's keep moving. We're not going to quit. So he goes into a town called Lystra. Lystra is where he meets the guy that Michael was just talking about. Lystra is where he meets the guy we're going to talk about tonight. Lystra is where he meets this guy named Timothy. Anybody here got Timothy in their name anywhere? Any Timothys in the room? Okay, you're named after him. He meets Timothy in this town called Lystra. Have you ever wanted to kick someone's backside? I mean, if you could get away with just full on punching them, you'd do it. And you knew that Dr. Rossetti or you knew that Dr. Cooper, whoever it is, they wouldn't kick you out for doing it. Or maybe on your own terms, it was just, as an adult, don't ask the students, adults, have you ever wanted a free pass just to deck someone? Everybody, any adults want to be honest? If you get away with it, like Mike Coach Smith right back there, right? Larry, Larry doesn't even need a free pass. He's just going to do it. Here's a crazy thing. When Paul shows up and he starts preaching in this town called Lystra, he's telling them all about Jesus. A group of guys walk. How far would you walk for a, pre, for a free pass just to beat somebody up? Would you walk a mile? Anybody willing to walk a mile? Who's willing to walk five miles if you, if you knew it was going to be okay? Anybody willing to walk 10? Any takers on 10 miles? You'd do it if, if it was all okay and nobody got in trouble and it was all right. Anybody willing to do 10 miles? Anybody willing to do 20 miles? Okay. Can I get 30 miles? 40 miles? 40 miles. Kind of tapping out now, aren't you? Here's the deal. You go 50 miles. Jake Bay goes 50 miles. Here's the deal. When he shows up in Lystra and he begins to preach, a group of guys from Antioch that ran him out of town, from uh, Iconium that ran him out of town, these guys walked 120 miles just to kill Paul. 120 miles. And they stoned him and left him for dead. You see, Paul knew what it meant to walk even when it hurt. He knew it meant you, you got to finish. You don't quit. They left Paul for dead that day in Lystra. That's the day he met Timothy. The next morning, he's still alive. I'm going to be looking for like an ER, chiropractor, something, man. Paul packs his stuff up, and he walks 50 miles through mountainous terrain to this town called Derby. He gets the Derby. After he's just been stoned, pelted with rocks, left for dead, when he gets the Derby, you know what he does? He gets there that night, spends the night, wakes up the next morning, the dude wakes up the next morning and he walks back and he preaches again in Lystra. And then after he preaches in the very town that just stoned him, then he goes and preaches to the guys that tried to beat him up in Iconium. And then he goes and he preaches to the very guys who tried to beat him up, or did beat him up in Antioch. This is a guy who knew how to keep going. He's a man who understood what it meant to finish. 
And Paul understood what it meant to walk even when it hurts. Paul got it. Paul was anything but a quitter. Chapter 14, he warns us that if you're a believer, you're going to go through a whole lot of hardships, but you got to finish. You just got to finish. After he says that, he goes to this town called Philippi, Philippians, that book. He shows up in that town, he starts preaching, and they beat him with rods so badly that he's near death. And then he goes into the prison, and if somebody beats your back with rods, severely beats you to the point of being near death, you're trying to figure out, they're going to throw you into this prison. Do they lay you on your stomach, or do they lay you on your back? I think Paul says, lay me on my back, because he planned on singing praises to God all night. And God miraculously releases him from that prison. And what does he do? Continues to preach, because Paul's no quitter. Paul doesn't back down. And one thing we know about Paul, he's a man who understood what it meant to keep moving, even when it hurt. He's a man that understood what it meant to finish. He left there, he goes on to preach, goes to this town called, you know, Thessalonica. He tries to preach there. There's a hit squad, they run him out of town. He goes to another town called Berea. The Thessalonians that he just tried to preach to that ran him out of town, they walk 50 miles to the town of Berea where he starts preaching and they run him out of that town. They hate him so much. So he goes to a place called Corinth. Corinthians starts preaching there. Gets in the middle of a sermon there. People start arguing and yelling at him. He tries and tries to speak and reason with them about Jesus. They won't listen. So finally, they kick him out of the synagogue. If I get kicked out of church for preaching, maybe I should hang it up. Not Paul. Paul goes next door to this guy named Titus Justice House. And Paul preaches so loud, so loud at this guy's house that he converts the synagogue leader who's listening inside the synagogue in Corinth. Converts that guy. And that guy gets beaten by the people in there. And in fact, if you look at the very first verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he mentions that very synagogue leader that he converted. Because that guy saw something in Paul. He saw a guy who had conviction, a man who was willing to walk even when it hurt, a man who understood what it meant to finish. He left Corinth, then he went to a town called Ephesus. When Paul preached in Ephesus, the crowds got so upset with him that they rioted until thousands and thousands and thousands of people filling an entire arena screamed because they wanted Paul. Imagine thousands and thousands and thousands of people screaming because they wanted you dead for speaking about Jesus. I mean, at that point in time, I'm like, man, is there like a back door? Is there like a tunnel I can get out of here? Is there a way to sneak out of town? Not Paul. Paul says, man, let me go preach to him. I'm like, Paul, do you not get it? They're going to kill you. Paul didn't back down. Paul's no coward. Paul's not bashful about his faith, and he knows what it means to finish. He's a man who's willing to walk even when it hurts. He leaves Ephesus wisely, goes back, of all places, to preach again in Corinth. They finally arrest Paul in Corinth, put him in jail for a while. Then they send him on to Jerusalem. He gets arrested, put in jail there. He stands trial. He spends two years in jail. Then finally, this this guy named Felix, he's some sort of judge, and he puts Paul on trial. He doesn't know what to do with him. So they try Paul, like, oh, do we let him go? What do we do with this guy? Do we kill him? What should we do? He didn't know, so he calls this guy named Festus. Hey, Festus, come here. We don't know what to do with Paul. So then that guy tries him. He puts him on trial. Two more years he spends in jail. He doesn't know what to do with him. So he calls another guy named Agrippa. Hey, Agrippa, Felix doesn't know what to do with him. Festus doesn't know what to do with him. Agrippa's like, I don't even know what to do with him. Let's just let him go. And Paul's like, no, 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 you don't let me go. 
No, you don't let me go. You don't let me go. Do you know who I am? I don't want to be let go. Paul says, I want to preach to the head of all this. I want to preach to Nero. I want to talk to the man in charge. You want to, you want to talk to Nero, Paul? You want to talk to Nero? All right. To Nero, you'll go. So they stuck him on a boat and they set sail. <laughs> and you think at some point this guy's going to catch a break. You think at some point everything's going to go okay for Paul. They set sail and Paul is shipwrecked. So it's a night and a, and a day in the open sea. He finally reaches this little island. He gets to the island. He's warming up by a fire, trying to put some wood on, and a poisonous snake bites him on the hand. I'm like, Paul, just give it up, man. Now, Paul, Paul didn't quit. Paul finishes. Paul never gives up. They take him to Rome. They put him in this place called the Mamertine Prison that Michael referenced. I've been there. I've gone down inside that prison to look at it. It's a bad, bad place. Back in that day, it would have been even worse. Just a hole at that point in time in the top of the, of the ground. And that hole goes straight down. And the only way you're coming out is probably coming out to die. Not like today's prisons where they would give you meals during the day and wreck time. No, 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 no. You go to Mamertine, you're hoping somebody brings you food. You're down there and you are defecating with every other prisoner in this hole in the ground. And that's what life is like for you. And that moment in this disgusting, wretched place, he writes to this young teenage boy that traveled into life with him. That goes from being a teenage boy to becoming an older man and one of his best friends. And that young man's name is Timothy. His name is Timothy. He writes him a letter that we're going to reference tonight. And I want to tell you right now, if you could have Paul walk in this room, if Paul were to walk in here and stand in this room, it'd be a sight to see. And I'm not trying to be embarrassing or being crass, but if I could have Paul walk in here in a pair of basketball shorts and just throw a robe on, and Paul were to walk up on this, this stage, and we were just going to examine Paul, we would be in horror over what we'd see. I'd say, Paul, can you... Can you take off? I don't want to embarrass you. I know you're older. Would you mind? Just, just take, leave the basketball shorts on. Take the, take the top robe off. And Paul would pull off that robe. And I'd say, Paul, can you turn around and let the audience see you? And as you looked at Paul's back, you'd see these massive lines all across his spine because he was beaten with rods. You'd find what he says in 2 Corinthians where he's beaten five times. You'd find when he says, yeah, man, I was shipwrecked. See that line across my face? Man, that board came through and that boat crashed. Hit me right across the side of the head. You'd look at Paul and like, man, what happened to you? Well, man, I was in danger at times from the robbers. I was in danger in the country. I was in danger at the sea. I was in danger in the city. I was in danger everywhere I went. I'd say, Paul, what's that scar right by your eye? If you could look at him. He said, yeah, that's where that big old boy in Lister hit me with a rock. That one there hurt really, really bad. You'd look at Paul's body. His entire body would be wrecked with scars bearing the name of Jesus because of what he was willing to do because he would not quit because Paul was a man who was willing to finish. Paul is one of the toughest men in all of scripture. Nothing could ever dissuade this man from finishing what he started. Because Paul knew how to walk even when it hurt. And if you could get the last words of Paul, the last words he ever spoke, You'd find him tonight in 2 Timothy. 
you get your Bibles, you can turn there with me if you want. I know they're going to put it on the screen. I'm going to ask out of reverence for one of the toughest men who have ever walked this earth. Out of reverence for his words, out of respect for one of the toughest human beings to ever walk the planet, could we stand as we hear the final words of Paul? This is what he said to the young man he met that day in Lystra. Timothy, about your age, is watching men have come 120 miles to stone this preacher with rocks, left him for dead. This is the man who mentors Timothy all during his life. In the last words of Paul, the tough, one of the toughest human beings ever on the planet, the last words of Paul that he says to Timothy, I believe would be the last words that the Apostle Paul would say to you. From 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead and a view of his appearance and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up a sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from the truth. They'll turn to myths. But you, you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. If anybody ever right to say that, it's Paul. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous touch, reward, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who long for his appearing. You can be seated. Paul's a man who understood what it meant to walk even when it hurts. He's a man who understood what it meant to finish. And I don't know if you understand the stock you come from. I don't know if you understand the bloodline that you come from. And by bloodline, I don't just mean like your family tree. I'm talking about a family tree that's way bigger than, than your grandmother or your grandfather or your mother or your father or your brothers or your sister. I'm talking a bloodline that goes all the way back, a bloodline that's found in Jesus Christ, a bloodline that we join in every communion when we take that bread and we take that blood. Do you understand the family stock you come from? Do you know what your last name, Christian, really means? Do you understand who it is you're a part of? Do you know the history of your family? You've never been part of a family called Christian there's a group of people who ever gave up your people don't give up you don't come from a stock of people who throw in the towel you don't come from a stock of people who walk away you don't come from a stock of people who tell you tuck tail and run that's not your family that's not what you're a part of do you know about your brothers your brother Matthew he wouldn't stop so they killed him with a sword in Ethiopia your brother Mark, your brother Mark, they drove through the streets of Alexandria for preaching. Your brother Luke, your brother Luke would never give up. So they hung him from an olive tree. Your brother Peter, they crucified him upside down. And church history holds that they did the same thing with his wife. Your brother James wrote the book of James. They took him to the top of the temple and they threw him off because he wouldn't stop preaching. 
And when his body hit the floor, he didn't die. You know what they had to do? They beat your brother with something called a fuller's club, like a baseball bat, until the brain spilled out of his skull. Because your family doesn't quit. Your brother Bartholomew, if you ever look in your family, pictures at your brother Bartholomew, you know about him. In the pictures, your brother always holds a fillet knife. Do you know why your brother Bartholomew holds a fillet knife? Because he wouldn't stop preaching. He would never quit. He'd never give up. And they filleted him alive. Andrew, they crucified him on an X-shaped cross. And your brother Andrew looked at the people about to kill him and said, I've longed and desired for this happy hour. You don't come from a stock of quitters. You come from a long stock of finishers. I can tell you right now that Philip, he was stoned and Philip was crucified. And they took his young daughters and killed them right next to him. Thomas, he was stabbed with a spear in India. Matthias, your brother Matthias was stoned to beheaded. And there's only one way that you shut up your brother Paul. Only one way you shut up your brother Paul. And the way they shut your brother Paul's mouth is they drug him up out of that Mamertine prison and they cut his head off because that's the only way they could get him to shut up. You don't come from a stock that quits. You come from a stock of people who walk even when it hurts. You come from a stock of people who finish. You come from a stock of people who are willing to pronounce the name of Jesus, to walk with him faithfully, and to finish strong. That is your family. That is what you come from. That is your name, Christian. I'm going to give you a charge right now. Maybe you found yourself in various moments where you realized you weren't finishing strong. I'll tell you right now, they beat my friend Sanji and told him to shut up the preaching in India. They killed his wife. And since they did that, Sanji has planted three churches and led over 3,000 people to Christ. And three weeks ago, a month ago when I was in India, he rescued 40, no, 52 boys, 52 boys that were being human trafficked. You come from a family that never gives up. You come from a family of finishers. Tonight, if you need a reminder of who you are and where you come from, I want to invite you right now to make a commitment to walk even when it hurts. To remember what that last name means. Remember that you're a part of a family that finishes what they start. Someday, I will see you all in heaven. And I give you my word. I will finish what I started. You want to make that commitment? Come grab some tape. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry, or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.